Welcome to episode 6 of the Invited Along podcast. Hello world, this is Juan. And this is Quentin. We're an international couple traveling around the world for love, work, and the pursuit of wonder. Through this podcast, we invite you to come along with us as we discover places near and far while treading lightly and not breaking the bank. As we mentioned last week, we are now cozying up in Chiang Mai for this episode. The city in Northern Thailand is our base camp for the week and we could not be happier. Chiang Mai is the second biggest city in Thailand after Bangkok and you can find it nestled between beautiful forest-covered mountains. We had an amazing time exploring its ancient city center and numerous coffee shops and we cannot wait to tell you all about it. Alright, let's start with our itinerary. And this week it's pretty simple. We just took an AirAsia flight from the city of Surat Thani on Sunday, June 19th and landed in Chiang Mai two hours later. That's it. Since the Chiang Mai airport is barely three kilometers away from the city center, we were at our hotel in barely 20 minutes of taxi. Once in Chiang Mai, we simply stayed there for the whole week, except for Wednesday where we went out on a day trip to the Elephant Nature Park, and that we talked about at length in last week's episode. Now it's time for takeoff, where we discuss the costs and what was prepared in advance. And as we travel more and more, well, we prep less and less. This time we really only looked at flight and accommodation. For the flight, as we mentioned, we were flying from Suratani. We bought this flight while in Koh Tao, the island we mentioned a couple weeks ago. It cost us about 6,100 Thai baht, which is about $175 US. The reason why we had to pay that much is because there's actually a weight limit of 7 kilograms on the carry-on baggage in the plane. And that means that we needed to check our bags because our bags were around between 10 and 15 kilograms at a time. As for accommodations, whilst also in Kotel, we booked our awesome hotel, the Rustic River Boutique Hotel, for a grand total of 3,800 baht which is around 107 US dollars total. That is not per night. Divided over a week, that's about $15 per night. And it was awesome. We had a beautiful deluxe room with a balcony on the top floor, a beautiful four-poster bed, a sea, of course, and a gorgeous view of the mountains surrounding Chiang Mai. The reception area was also beautifully designed. The hotel had really helpful staff, and they even had a laminated copy of all of their top recommendations near the hotel itself, between 0 and 15 minutes by walk, and it was in a very good location. It was not in the inner city of Chiang Mai, so Chiang Mai is a historic city that actually has walls for boundaries, so it was not within the walls of Chiang Mai, it was just outside, and it was near a pretty major trading road way back when called the Chiang Mai Road. I think there may have been an extra gate in ancient times, but all that was remained now is this road. Right, and so that's about all we did in terms of planning. Everything else we kind of bought on the day or booked as we went, with the exception again of the Elephant Nature Park, which we had already researched in the past. But again, this is something we mentioned last episode. Now for our in-flight entertainment segment, where we tell you all the stuff that we did. And trust me, we packed in a lot during this short week. Since Chiang Mai is a smaller city than Bangkok, 
we had the opportunity to visit a lot of the main attractions around the city, and while there's no doubt Chiang Mai has many more secrets to share, we feel like we really got to know the city on a more personal level this time. To make it more digestible, we're breaking it down into a couple of categories. Let's start with everyone's favorite in Thailand, temples. There are so many of them in Chiang Mai, so we'll just focus on some of our favorites. First is Wat Chedi Luang. This is a gorgeous 14th century wat or temple with a huge broken chedi that's surrounded by elephants. We stumbled upon Wat Chedi Luang at sunset while we were walking down the Sunday walking street, which is a big market. And during market days, all of the wats turn into communal spaces for people to dine, and there are even food stalls set up. So that's how we stumbled upon Wat Chedi Luang at the most perfect time. The mood was right, the vibe was right, the people was right, and it was just a magical moment. Yeah, speaking of magical moments, the second temple I wanted to mention was Wat Pa Lat. The reason why it was so magical is because this is a hidden temple in a mountain that was actually abandoned for centuries and has been rediscovered relatively recently, a few decades ago, I believe. But to access it, you can still take a trail up the mountain. And once you're done with that trail, what's known as the Monk's Trail, and you arrive at Wat Palat after about an hour of hiking in the mountain, you have this absolutely breathtaking uh, space with so many different buildings that kind of spread across the mountain. There's little winding staircases, little winding roads left and right. There are old abandoned statues that have no name anymore. The mood is incredible. And because it's a bit harder to reach, there's not that many people at any given time. And we had an amazing time just exploring every nook and cranny of that gorgeous temple. I want to add that it felt particularly good after a arduous hike. This is not like a hike in the woods that you go on back at home. Imagine 90 to 100 degree weather, blazing sun, and like 300% humidity going up these very steep, unmarked trails and through bamboo with all the insects coming at you. So at first, I was maybe not feeling the best on this hike because I was hot, I was soaked with sweat, but it was so rewarding to emerge from the bamboo tunnel into this otherworldly place. The next what I want to talk about is another beautiful and slightly unusual Wat, and it's Wat Uman. The main temple is actually a series of tunnels with statues at the end of each tunnel, and of course, because there are tunnels, there are bats, and that's kind of scenic too. And that's where we got to listen to Buddhist monks actually performing ceremony and chanting. So Wat Uman was first built because the monks at a time told the king that it was too busy inside Chiang Mai and they could not meditate with all the city traffic noise, so they had to relocate outside the city walls. Yeah, I would not necessarily describe the presence of bats in your Buddhist temple as scenic uh, and more <laughs> frightening, but I, like I see what she's trying to say. It was an atmosphere. Uh, yeah, it certainly was an atmosphere. There are plenty of other wats and other temples in the city of Chiang Mai, again, but we don't have time to go over all of them. But very briefly, I want to mention the other ones that we had a chance to see. First is Wat Doi Sutep. That's actually a very important uh, Buddhist temple in Thailand because it contains relics uh, of the Buddha, in theory, and it's high up on the mountain, so a bit uh, a hike up from Wat Palat again. 
it was really lovely as well. There's Wat Prasing, which is kind of the main temple of the city and has this beautiful Lana style. And we're going to use that word a lot in this episode. Lana being the kingdom that built Chiang Mai before modern Thailand had its own particular way of making temples, very recognizable with bold reds and golds uh, used in the temple architecture and the temple painting. So we had a lot of that in Wat Prasing. There's also Wat Chiang Man, which is the oldest temple in the city. Again, very decked out in Lana colors and Lana style. And there's also Wat Sri Supan, which is also known as the Silver Temple, because one of the buildings in the temple, and if you've never been to a, a Thai Buddhist temple, there's actually many different buildings in a given space. And one of them is entirely made out of silver, actually silver and aluminium. And so it looks absolutely incredible with these uh, metallic sheen all over the place. couple things to know when visiting Wat Sri Supan is number one, women are not allowed inside the ordination hall, so I actually never got to go inside. And number two, if you look at the decorative motifs carefully on the outside, you will see some very unusual things that are mm, not really in the Buddhist canon. For example... You'll see the Eiffel Tower, you'll see symbols from various big cities around the world. And yeah, and then you'll see the entire cast of the Avengers. Right, so this means that this temple was probably built relatively recently. And that's it for our temples. Our second category is culture. So culture is the catch-all term that I'm going to use for all the stuff that make us, for all the stuff that made us stroke our chin and go, hmm. <laughs> to start this category, I'm going to start with the Arts and Cultural Center, which is kind of the main museum of Chiang Mai. This is where you learn the history of the city of Chiang Mai. What you have to understand is that Chiang Mai was a very carefully planned city. The king of the Lana Kingdom at the time chose the right spot, chose the right time, did a bunch of horoscopes to make sure everything was in the right place at the right time. And that's why it still to this day has this very recognizable rectangular old center that's why the walls are still there, because it was really intended to stay that way for as long as possible. Uh, it was great because we had the opportunity to learn so much about the Lana Kingdom this way. Related to the Arts and Cultural Center is the Lana Folklife Museum. So these two are actually right across the street from each other. There used to be a package ticket. Now it's individual tickets, but that's okay. And the Lana Folklife Museum really demonstrated a lot of the cultural heritage from the Lana Kingdom, such as textiles and exhibits about ways of life, such as ways of worship, ceremony, etc. What I thought was really interesting was how recently the Lana Kingdom still ruled Chiang Mai. I think it's only in the past, I want to say, less than 200 years that Chiang Mai became part of the Siamese Empire, so modern-day Thailand. So, as you can imagine, 200 years is not a long time. That's like great-great-great-grandfather-type time frame. So, all over Chiang Mai, there's still so many signs of Lana influence, from food to things like decorations of temples or the style that the temples are built. It was just all very interesting to get the historical background, but also see it in situ or in the context of the place. I also want to mention that if anyone's going to visit Chiang Mai, a lot of museums are closed Monday and Tuesday. So we had actually wanted to go, I think, on a Tuesday and then discover that, oh, we had to wait one more day. 
another aspect of culture that I am very interested in, and to move a bit away from the museums, is calligraphy. If you don't know that by myself, I love calligraphy, I've, I do some myself, and so I love to go to new places and learn the way they do calligraphy. And in this way, I was able to take a class at the Noina Art School, which is called this way because Noina is this very sweet old lady that uh, that runs it. And she, uh, you know, taught me the basics of Thai script, which is very complicated. But I had an excellent time doing this class with her. I am far from being a professional Thai calligrapher at this point, but at least now I can recognize a few characters and that's always useful, I guess. In general, we love the vibe of Chiang Mai as a city. There were so many interesting shops, cafes, restaurants along the banks of the river. There was a lot of live music. It was quite walkable, all things considered. And we got to just enjoy seeing how people lived day to day and enjoy some of the arts and culture that the city had to offer, such as at the Walking Street. There was a lot of live music there. And we even popped by the North Gate Jazz Co-op. Oh, as a note... The city is divided into cardinal directions, and at each direction, there is a gate. So when I say North Gate, that's the co-op's name, but it's also located near the north side of the city. Similarly, there are gates on all the other cardinal directions. Yeah, and one aspect I wanted to mention of the how the city of Chiang Mai is organized is, and that was, I think that contributes to the vibe as well. It's not necessarily a good or a bad thing, but despite being a relatively large city, there's not really any public transportation to speak of. There are very few buses, absolutely no metro or anything like that. Instead, everyone can use something called a songte, which means uh, two rows, I believe. Uh, they're essentially private trucks that you can just climb on in the back, and they have two rows of benches, hence the name, and you can just pay 30 baht to go kind of anywhere in the city. It's about 30 baht per person. We did not end up using them a lot because turns out a grab for us was usually between 60 and 100 baht. So not that much more than the price of two Songtai tickets. But that also adds to the vibe where like instead of having big buses, which I love, I love public transportation, we both do. Uh, you have this kind of smaller trucks that kind of weave in and out of traffic and stop randomly on the side of the street. And for a sneak peek of what that experience is like, head on over to our Instagram Reels, and it's the first shot that you see. That's a good point, yes. Always check our Instagram Reels, please. <laughs> yes, I do try. Okay, for a bit of a breather, we also went shopping a little bit. As a general rule, we don't shop too much because of our bag restrictions, mostly window shopping. But it was still fun just to walk around and duck in and out of shops, especially those shops with the AC. Oh yeah, very needed. One shop that doesn't have AC, however, is essentially any sort of market. And when we arrived, the first thing we went to was the Sunday night market, which is the biggest market in Chiang Mai. It's gigantic. It goes all the way from Tape Gate, which is the east gate of the city, all the way to Wat Prasing, which I mentioned earlier to be the main temple of the city. I think that's a couple kilometers long. So it took us about three hours to walk it both ways. It is your typical Thai market. There are just so many possibilities, just so much food, so many clothes, so many knickknacks, tchotchkes, and other words like that that means cute trinkets that you don't really need but really want. Our hotel was located between the East Gate and the Ping River, 
And historically, as I mentioned, it's a place of commerce because of its proximity to river transport, and that's how the Wawa Road Market came to be. So our hotel was super close to that market, and we were lucky enough to walk around and experience market life. It extends very late into the night, even if the main market is closed. All of the side streets come alive with vendors. In Thailand, a lot of the vendors are grouped thematically. So I don't know. For some reason, we saw a lot of fruit vendors all clumped together. A lot of pop-up nail salons all along the river. It was just a really interesting experience. Yeah, and for a very completely different vibe, you had to go to kind of the other side of the city. On the west side of the city, you have the infamous Nimana Heminda Road. I believe I said that correctly. And essentially, this road is kind of the、uh, shortage high street of Chiang Mai, and that's where you have a lot of coffee shops, a lot of cute bookshops, a lot of more alternative shops.、Uh, there are more coffee shops. There are just so many coffee shops, guys. You cannot you cannot imagine until you get there. We had a great time just walking up and down, not even again buying anything, but just ducking into shops, having coffee here, having coffee there. Yeah, and in particular, at the top of the、uh, Minana Heminda Road, there were a couple malls. One called One Niman that sort of looked like an attempt to recreate an Italian plaza in Thailand, which was very nice. And there was another bigger one that was yes, that was called the Maya Lifestyle, and it's not as over the top as Icon Siam or Siam Paragon in Bangkok, but you can tell this was the big swanky mall. Where you want to see and be seen in Chiang Mai, and it was very fun to explore. We actually even saw the latest Doctor Strange movie there. There was a movie theater that showed English language movies with Thai subtitle instead of dubbed, and we booked one of those premium love seats, which I thought was super comfy. Very comfy, and if you haven't been to、uh, a movie in Thailand and you are visiting Thailand, it's worth it's worth it just for one reason: is that at the beginning of each movie. They actually play a reel of the king, the current king Rama the Tenth,、uh, whilst playing the national anthem, and it is glorious. It's like a Photoshop of all pictures of the king doing cool stuff. And not to be like blasphemous, but I had a great time just watching this thing. I was gonna say everywhere in Thailand, actually, they publicly play. I think it's the national anthem every day around six p.m. You'll hear the sounds blaring out. And then everyone just pauses. Whatever it is they're doing, I saw this at the Sunday market or Sunday walking street. We saw this at the train station, and then you let the song finish, and then you just continue going about your day. And one last shopping experience that we wanted to mention was just a bit south from Wat Umong, so in the southwest of the city,、uh, is something called Ban Kang Wat, and Ban Kang Wat is essentially a collective or artist's house. Uh, artists' houses. So you go there, and there are all these beautiful traditional style Thai houses that are hosting different local artists. A lot of them are in sort of crafts. So you have a lot of textile work, a lot of、uh, ceramic work. You even have a book binder and other artists of the kind. And it is absolutely breathtaking to be there. It's、uh, very much an oasis away from the city. It's very quiet. It's very chill, and it's just. So beautiful and inspiring as a place. Again, we did not buy anything there except for some ice cream, and Juan got something like a mask holder, like a COVID mask holder. But it's worth it just to walk around and take in the scenery. 
They also offer regular workshops. Because we've only found out about this place the last day that we were in Chiang Mai, we didn't book ourselves in for any artsy workshops. But they were all really reasonably priced, and they had some really interesting ones. All right, now for our actual favorite category, food. So Chiang Mai is very famous for a specific dish called khao soi, and we of course had to try some for ourselves. We went to a shop called Khao Soi Islam on Halal Street in Chiang Mai. This is relatively close to where we stayed, so we thought, okay, let's go with this one. And Khao Soi is an egg noodle that's boiled, and it is in a very unique coconut curry broth. I ordered the chicken, and Quentin ordered the beef, and both were really excellent. Yeah, one aspect I want to point out is that the reason why, particularly, we went on Halal Street is because Khao Soi, as it's known in Chiang Mai, has been influenced a lot by the Muslim population in the area. So the Khao Soi that we're having now, they even call it Khao Soi Islam in general to differentiate it from older forms of Khao Soi, and it's delicious all around. Another uh, dish that I really liked that was also broth and noodles was something called Yen Ta Fo. And it is essentially a tofu-based broth that gives it a very, a very characteristic pink color and a very nice kind of fill, like very full taste. And we had it uh, served with all sorts of fish bowls, and it was absolutely amazing. And this is a shout out to Hot Thai Kitchen, who has a YouTube channel that I've been following for many years, and she did a video where she went back to Thailand and. Discussed five noodles that we should try in Thailand because it's really hard to find in the states, and this distinct pink noodle was one of them. The next thing that we tried that we absolutely adored—so sorry for all our veggie friends listening—is the crispy pork at Nin Earthen Jar. We saw huge earthenware jars with charcoal in the middle and slabs of different types of meat cooking around it. Another type of food that really blew our mind was something called mukrata, and actually we had read about it, and kind of forgot a bit about it. And then we went in a in a grab in a taxi, and our taxi driver was like, "Oh, have you had mukrata?" And we're like, "No, not yet." He's like, "You have to." He was like really, really insistent, and he was right. Essentially, mukrata is the perfect golden child of Chinese hot pot and Korean barbecue. You uh, picture a sort of metal hot plate that's like a dome. And around the dome, at the bottom of the dome, there's a sort of moat. So in the moat, you put that broth, and you can cook things the same way you'd cook it in a Chinese hot pot. But on the top of the dome, you can just grill your meat directly there, like you would in Korean barbecue. And it is incredible. We ate so much, and I regret nothing. It was splendid. Yes, our hotel actually recommended a mukata place. Just maybe five minutes down the road, and they say what differentiates different mukata places is the sauce, the dipping sauce in which you put all of your delicious grilled or boiled items. And we absolutely loved all of the sauce options. Usually, mukata restaurants in Chiang Mai are all you can eat, so it also comes with drinks and desserts as well. So an excellent deal, and every one that we saw. Had queues where lots of people were lining up to go. It is definitely the it thing to do in Chiang Mai. Oh yes, and the way you lubricate your grill is by first grilling a piece of pork fat. Yep, 
so sorry again, veggie friends listening. I, this is one of the reasons why I can't be a vegetarian. It's just too delicious. We also had a chance to eat some Lana style food. You can really see the influence of the former Lana kingdom still in the area. And there is a lot of pork used in Lana style food, including their famous pork cracklings, as well as mince pork dip in which you dip the cracklings. <laughs> so it's like pork on pork. We also were really lucky to also try Isan cuisine. And Isan is a province to the northeast of Thailand, and they're very well known for delicious and unique food. And we just stumbled upon an Isan restaurant and had a delicious noodle dish. And with their distinctive, very, very pungent fish sauce. And this restaurant is called Kindi Misuk. Yeah, the, the fish sauce is a family recipe that they've kept going for God knows how long. Okay, so now we've eaten well, how about a bit of coffee to help us digest? As I've mentioned earlier, Chiang Mai is a mecca of coffee. Not only the coffee shops themselves, but also the coffee roasters and the coffee sourcing. Northern Thailand is one of the best places to grow coffee in the world. And there has been a lot of efforts that have been done by many local roasters to make sure that, you know, the coffee is sourced and traded in a way that's fair, in a way that makes sure that the local people working uh, in the coffee plantations are getting a fair wage. And so we have loved to see some of those, I would say, more social aspects of coffee growing. And the coffee was delicious. Which ones were your favorite, love? Not in any particular order, but first we tried Brugenings. Yep, it's a play on word for beginnings. An incredibly aesthetic coffee shop. It is definitely where all of the cool kids are hanging out. I felt really not cool in my moisture wicking outfits. But anyways, the coffee was very good and it was a very close walking distance from our hotel. Again, it was recommended by the front desk workers at the hotel. In Thailand, I've noticed that there is a trend of drinking coffee with citrus juice. It's not for me, but it seems to be very popular. So one thing I want to point out that pretty much every time Juan ended up with like citrus juice in her coffee, it was ordered more or less on accident. So it's not her fault either. Yeah, but it's okay. It was still definitely a vibe. And we went there multiple times. And the time that I did not have the citrus coffee, I really enjoyed my coffee. The next place, I think there are multiple of this coffee chain in Chiang Mai, is called Aka Ama. The name is a celebration of a group of local hill tribe people called the Aka people. I guess the beans that they roast are grown in regions that were historically belonging to the Aka hill tribe. And it's a very interesting space, very beautifully designed architecturally, and some of the best coffees I've tasted in Asia so far. And then, not coffee directly, we also went to a tea place called Ven Jum On Tea House. It is also by the Ping River within walking distance to our hotel and recommended by the hotel. And we had some delicious rooibos mousse, which I'm still thinking about to this day. How does one capture the flavor of rooibos tea in a mousse? I don't know, but it was so good. And there are so many other cafes we didn't get to try. I would just point out two that we we saw on our way and we really wanted to try it and it looks like the reviews were excellent. 
this graph uh, graph cafe in one Niman, the the mall that kind of looks like an Italian plaza that I mentioned earlier, and another one called Sensation. Again, they are their own roasters. It's all local beans. And Sensation we found on the way to Bangkang Wat, which I mentioned again earlier. Okay, it's time for turbulence. What happened this week that did not go according to plan? Quentin, you go first. Okay, so for me, I have two. The first one is uh, one evening we saw this quite cheap Japanese restaurant called Samurai Kitchen on Changmoy Road, and we thought we'd try it, and it was awful. It was terrible. The sushi was bland. The rice was cooked. Like I did not consider myself someone who can tell the difference between good and bad sushi. Turns out I had never had really bad sushi. Uh, so no, I cannot recommend it. It was relatively expensive compared to, you know, the, the sort of street food markets you can, you can buy food from. So all in all, not a great experience. And my second one was, uh, I mentioned the songtes earlier. One thing that you can do is also book a songte to or from the faraway temples, so Wat Doisutep and Wat Palat, which are up on the mountain. So we came back from Wat Doisutep into the city on a Sangte. So we are in this tiny truck, we are sitting in the back of the truck, which is open, uh, we're just sitting on a, on a bench, we are going down the mountain at quite a high speed, and there was a tiny window that allowed us to watch our driver, and we could see our driver was on his phone constantly. And if you've been to Thailand, you know that traffic is not something you can just not pay attention to. It's pretty crazy. But the guy was just, he started the, the trip by eating as he was driving, but at least he was still looking on the road. At this point, later, once he was done eating, he was just on his phone, like, the entire time. And we generally thought we were going to die there. We didn't. Of course, he probably did that like a hundred times before, but I would very much like not to become a statistics in tourist casualties when I visit Thailand. (laughs) That thought did cross my mind as well, especially coming down the mountain. These are all hairpin turns. So we were like, oh my God, how important is whatever it is you're reading on Facebook that you would risk all of our lives in this situation? Oh yeah, he was just like, scrolling through his Facebook feed and it was just like we like memes I guess nothing particularly interesting and one aspect also is that especially on the mountain there's a bunch of stray dogs that just love to kind of chase cars so not only was it hairpin turns going down a mountain super fast there's also literally loose dogs just roaming around it was a yeah it was a trip as for me I have to have like a content warning here. If you're afraid of bugs, skip ahead. As for me, it was some flying cockroaches. So, okay, let me preface by saying that I have seen quite a few cockroaches on the street. They don't really bother me. I see them in the States as well. It's not like a Thailand thing. But there is a brewery and a really cool like brew pub situation near our hotel called My Beer Friend. And I wanted to try it out with Quentin, sample some of the local drinking culture. So we go, it's air conditioned, things are great, people are playing vintage games. The vibe was good. I ordered a mango hops soda and it was super tasty. I was having a good time with Quentin. And then I see the movements of these like 
dark critters all over. And I'm like, okay, Juan, hold it together. You know, they're not coming towards you. They're just like on the walls or or scurrying past. It's it's fine. And I was like watching some as they get closer to one of the owners of the bar. And I was just like a little grossed out, but I didn't want to scream or be rude or anything like that. And then one flew right at my face and I freaked out. I screamed and spilled my entire thing of mango soda all down my shirt and ran out of that bar. I feel bad. Like I, I could not hold it together enough to be like, thank you for your hospitality. This place has great vibes because I was so freaked out. Oh God. Yeah, that was something. All right, and now we're flying high. So what were the big highlights of our week in Chiang Mai? There are so, so, so many, and it's been very hard to choose from, I would say. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so which ones did you end up choosing? For me, I really enjoyed Mukata because it was just a unique experience. We were the only foreigners at the entire restaurant trying to like peer over our shoulders to see what other people are doing so we could figure out how to like eat this hugely popular food. The taste was good. The vibe was good. The desserts was good. The price is good. I just loved it. My other one is Wat Palat because I really had to work to get to that temple, but there's a sense of wonder and accomplishment once I got to the actual temple. Okay, yeah, I would say for me, my flying high, uh, Wat Pala is up there as well. Uh, I mentioned the Elephant Nature Park last episode, and of course, that was also a highlight. But Wat Pala was really something I personally really enjoyed the hike on the way up. Juan did not. It took a lot of convincing. Uh, but I'm really glad that we stuck through it and we ended up discovering this incredible space again on the side of the mountain. Otherwise, uh, my highlight is you know, the amazing coffee shops that I mentioned earlier, and just the general vibe of the city. Like I said, there's, you know, there's coffee shops, there's uh, a lot of local uh, local stuff that's being done, there's a lot of live music, there's a lot of, like, beautiful area that have been kept since the, like, 13th century. All in all, it's actually a city, this is the first place that we've traveled to that I could see myself live in. Uh, and that's a, that was a very interesting feeling for me. I know you were like, is Chiang Mai University hiring any material science people? <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, I, I keep an eye out. I keep an eye out. They do apparently have a pretty sizable material science department for what it's worth. Okay, and that's all for us this week. Join us next time where we'll discover Thailand's ancient capital cities of Sukhothai and Ayutthaya. In the meantime, we would love it if you would follow us on Instagram at Invited Along Podcast. You can also reach us by email at invitealong at gmail.com. We did get in some listener questions to which we will answer in our next podcast episode. So stay tuned. We definitely read these. So long for now. Bye-bye.